Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 55. I understand that ADHD has all these negative connotations, you know, because people make jokes about it. And it's like, it's not even taken that seriously, you know, within pop culture, because we can be the butt of jokes, you know, like we're flaky, we're spacey, we're, you know, we're running late all the time, can't depend, like, and then people use it so casually, oh, my little ADHD, my ADD is active, you know, like when they don't have right. it, and it's like, right. shut up, you don't even know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know? And it, that didn't used to bother me until two years ago. But now I'm like, no, this is a real condition. This is a brain thing, you know? And I know people don't understand that they don't have it. That is not a blanket adjective for somebody who's flaky, <laughs> you know? And right. so it's those types of portrayals or caricatures or just how it's referred to that makes people go, I don't know. Why would I want to be labeled that? I wouldn't yeah. want my boss to know I have that. But I say... You don't have to tell people. You can go and you can get your diagnosis if you feel like that's something that you need to find out for sure. And trust me when I say this, knowledge is not only power, it is transformative. Hello and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. I have another exciting guest. Her name is Stacy Michelle, and I'm excited about talking to her because she brings ADHD, the information to her audience with a comedic twist. So <laughs> Stacy, Stacy, welcome. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. And thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. I'm excited about meeting you. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. Wow. That's a very loaded question. This could go on all day. I'll try to keep it narrow. My name is Stacey Michelle and I'm the creator, the host, the writer, the editor of the YouTube channel, ADHD is the new black. And I come from a broadcasting background, journalism background. And so I've taken those skills and combined them with the comedic skills I have, because I am also a comedy writer and a stand-up comedy and I've created content that you can get anywhere. I mean, literally, you can just Google ADHD and get all the information you need, but you're getting it from somebody you're not used to seeing it from. Mm-hmm. A woman of color, a black woman, and you're getting it in a humorous fashion. So I love to laugh. I love to make people laugh. And I feel like the best way for me to tell my story and allow people to receive the information that I'm sharing, you know, as far as spreading awareness about ADHD is through humor, because I personally think ADHD is funny as shit. Caca. <laughs> At least it is in my life. <laughs> That's too funny. So you told us a little bit, you touched on why you know so much about ADHD, but dive a little bit deeper about that. I first was diagnosed with ADHD back in my early 20s, about 24, 25. Okay. And it was in my first professional career as a broadcaster. I've been out of college for two and a half, three years. And um, I had worked at a newspaper prior to that. And I think at that time, all I knew was that I didn't enjoy being a print reporter Mm -hmm. and I was bored all the time and I wasn't that interested in the job. And I I had a lot of coddlers, like a lot of older people, because, you know, in the late 90s, most print reporters were older people. And so they just all kind of like, Ah, she's the kid. Like they kept calling me the kid. Ah, the kid. <laughs> Disney World to cover the story of the kid, you know, and they would always they would always pick up my slack. I didn't know that was happening at the time, but they were mm. always picking up my slack, going behind me, you know, crossing T's and dotting I's. And, you know, like I'd always be afraid to accept any new responsibility because in my mind, I'm like, oh, mm, I can't do that. Do you want me to be an investigative reporter? That sounds hard. <laughs> Like, I was always afraid of messing up because I had a sense that something's off with me and I wasn't sure what it was. But a year after being there, I moved into broadcasting at one of the local stations in the town where I was a newspaper reporter. And that's pretty much when the coddling stopped. 
Um, nobody was interested in anything but you getting, you know, all of the details on time to the people who need them. And it's so funny because that job was the perfect marriage of everything that I naturally excel at and everything that I suck just greatly at. <laughs> so the part that I did well was the on-air presentation, you know, like I looked the part, it sounded the part, I could turn in my stuff on deadline, like deadlines are like, oh, that's my jam. <laughs> you need this in in 10 minutes? Sure, you know, because there's high pressure. You know how we do it with ADHD. Right. <laughs> you know, the pressure, the deadlines, the emergencies, mm -hmm. the competition, those are the things that activate us, right? But then it was the other things that I didn't even realize I wasn't getting right that was that led me to a diagnosis at that time. Again, there's a lot of details involved in being out in the field and reporting that people don't think about when they think mm -hmm. about news reporters. If you think about news reporters, <laughs> you know, it's like you have to turn in how long the story runs, you know, the in cues, out cues, all of the minutia of what you see in the final product. And you have to get that to the people that decide where your story falls in the newscast. They need to know when to cut into your story, when to cut out. Like, and if you don't get that to them, they have no idea how long your, your, your package is. Like, and, and I was getting yelled at every day. Stacy, like I hear my name like this across the newsroom or on the phone, you know, if I was out in the field. Stacy! Why does she forget to turn this on again? Like every day. And they were becoming more and more perplexed. It's like, it's part of the job. It's the same thing every day. How do you not turn in these little details? And I'm just like, I don't know. You know? <laughs> and it, it was so inconsistent because it was like, some, I'd get yelled at enough. Mm. And then I'd feel like, oh, they're about to fire me. You know? So let me start, you know, trying really hard. It was always trying harder for me, mm. you know? And then I would go, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month, getting it right. You know, but like sweating bullets, trying to get it right, you know, so it's just stuff that just drains your executive functions. So by the time I actually got to the part that I do well and being on camera, you know, I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I would forget to do all that stuff again, all the stuff that I had been consistent with that I had been yelled at about for like a month. Now, all of a sudden, I'm forgetting to do it again because, you know, how we do, we forget. It's like, oh, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. You know, so. It got to the point where my boss was like, the only thing that's keeping me from firing you is that you're really good on air. <laughs> so you need wow. to figure out what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. And he suggested I go see a, a, a psychiatrist. And I'm just kind of like, what, you think I'm crazy? <laughs> I was like so offended. I'm like, what, you think I'm crazy? <laughs> I think he had to have suspected that that might have been what was going on, you know, but he can't. I'm guessing as my boss tell me, you've yeah. probably got ADD. Won't you take your ass and get some Ritalin or something, you know? So I go to the psychiatrist, saw her for 12 sessions because that's all the insurance would pay for. And um, by the third session, she had asked me very specific questions. Like I, I didn't really know where it was leading. But by the third session, she says to me, Stacey, have you ever considered that you might have ADD? Now, this is the late 90s, so mm -hmm. they're calling it ADD and not right. ADHD. And my first thought was, no. <laughs> that little white boy's disorder? No. No. <laughs> Why would you think I have that? You know, like, it was just like, <laughs> And I don't remember being educated about what it was. The internet wasn't like it is today. You couldn't just like, you know, type in a couple of search terms and come up with the whole DSM, <laughs> you know, like you can today. And so she prescribed Ritalin and she made it sound like, oh, this is going to fix everything. You know, at least that's how I took it. Okay. Like I'm like, I got this magic bullet, ooh, magic pills, I'm going to be fine, you know? So I started taking the Ritalin, expecting everything to be just different. And I wasn't seeing any difference at all mm. in my, that I can remember. Let's put it that way. Like, you know, that was the late nineties. It was a while ago, <laughs> but I also was drinking a lot back then at happy hour. So I may have just been, <laughs> you were balancing like, it. You were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she told me not to drink on it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, when you're in your early twenties, you're kind of like, whatever. But what I do know is that I expected everything that I was getting yelled at about to go away yeah. and it didn't go away you know i don't even and the stuff that i probably would have you know gotten an improved performance on like 
you know, being on camera, doing the live shots. Like I didn't need it for that. Right. <laughs> you know, like I didn't right. need it for that. It was like just a very small window during the day that I need that I would have needed it because at the end of the day, it's like write down all the stuff they need is literally like a, like a little chore. Oh, here you go. You know? So I probably wasn't even dosing at the right time of the day. So it, it did nothing for me that I can remember. And because I was still getting yelled at, I was still having the same issues. I was still not getting along with people at work. You know, I was still just really defensive. I was masking. I was masking, yeah. even though I didn't know I was, I just assumed, well, these pills don't work. I guess I don't have that ADD thing. And I went on about life and totally forgot about it. Like when I say oh, I forgot okay. about it, it's like, I forgot that I had seen the psychiatrist. I'd forgotten I had taken Ritalin for a little while. I'd forgotten that she had told me I had this. It was like I stuck it in a box and buried it in the ground somewhere. It just, it never crossed my mind again until and, two and a half years ago. But did you stop taking the medication too? So you literally put everything to the side. I, not to the side. I just like, just threw it in the ocean. I mean, gotcha. I just... <laughs> It was like I had ADHD amnesia. It was like I had no memory for 20 years or so wow. that I had these, that I had seen her, that I had this diagnosis, you know? Right. And I was start to hear more about ADHD because, you know, now people are talking about it more. You know, every college kid you meet, they're taking Adderall to study late. But none of that triggered the memory that, oh, that applies to me. Mm -hmm. So I literally have been white knuckling through life for the last 20 years until I started treating it two and a half years ago. So what was the tipping point two and a half years ago? What made you say, I mean, I know that more and more information was coming out, but what really made you say, you know what? I need to take a look at this again. Well, I moved to LA from New York city about a little more than 10 years ago. And I know that I had issues in New York city. I just wasn't aware that it was a specific, that, that all of my problems that I had with workplace stuff or, you know, just life stuff, it wasn't clicking that it was all the same stuff. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like every newsroom I went to when I was moving up the ladder, it was always the same stuff, yeah. just a different newsroom, a different city. And I think because when I got to New York City, I had left news and started pursuing entertainment and, you know, was taking acting classes, was auditioning, was getting acting work. I don't think it was presenting itself in the same way that I recognized it being, oh, this is the same stuff I was dealing with back then. I mean, the social stuff. Yeah, I was still, you know, like, <laughs> I couldn't figure out why don't people like me, you know, and, and people like would say things like, oh, my God, you're so blunt. You know, like, you're so mean when you say some things. And that's not my intention ever. You know, like, wow, you don't read around the bush, do you? You know, like, just, boy, you get to the point in conversation. And I would hear it and the way that they would say it to me. I received it as, oh, this isn't a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, the way I communicate clearly is turning people off. I was waiting tables for a while in New York and bartending. Because that's what you do when you're, you know, struggling actor. Doesn't matter. You had a nice, shiny career before them. <laughs> but no, I was waiting, waitering and bartending. And um, I'd never done either before I moved to New York City and kind of lied my way into all my jobs. Well, the first ones, at least. And it was just a disaster because mm -hmm. waiting tables is all about organization, all about details. Oh, my gosh. I was the worst waitress ever. <laughs> You're not the only one. I feel okay. your pain closely. Yeah. <laughs> And it was like, that was the only option I thought that I had to make a living in New York. And it kind of was for a little bit because this was like not long after 9-11. And the only jobs that were really available were well outside of my skill set as far as being a professional journalist. And I had gone back to school essentially to study, you know, acting and everything. And it was just like, it was the same thing just now in that environment. Like I would lose a whole check presenter with all my tips in it and my like, you know, credit card stuff. Like I would just drop it and not even realize it. And somebody, another waiter would come to me and just be like, you lose something? Like, oh, is that mine? You know, <laughs> just stuff like that. I just, all it's always for me, the attention to detail. So I have the inattentive type. I'm actually combined, but the inattention part for me is the one that has been the biggest impairment as far as my work life. And so when I moved to LA, I was no longer doing that type of work, but I was making kind of weird choices 
in life still. Like I got married to somebody that was not suited for me, nor I for him. And it just got to the point where I had not come even close to figuring out what's my deal. You know, Mm. like I felt like such a mystery to myself all the time. And it was like, I would come so close to like tremendous success. Like, like, Oh my God. Like Oprah success, you know, like on my scale, Oprah, you know, like (laughs) I I would always come this close to like 50 steps further or up and like the kind of opportunities that would change my life. And I would somehow figure out a way to like just implode, (laughs) you know, and just self-sabotage. And I'd been seeing therapists throughout the whole time. And they were always like, oh, you know, you just have low self-esteem. As always, you have low self-esteem. Or you you just got to believe in yourself. Or you got to like, you know, just trust the universe. (laughs) Wow. So much Tony Robbins and Oprah. And it was like, I was getting little nuggets of things that resonated with me, but I couldn't find that one thread that was connecting it all. And I was just... I become really depressed and I was, had been divorced or had filed for divorce about three years ago. And I just remember feeling like I was at the end of my runway. Mm -hmm. Like I was completely out of tricks. Like I had no more tricks left in my bag, you know, like every coping mechanism I'd ever had tried to develop, like none of it was working anymore. You know, I'm living in a city that I hate. I'm not fulfilling my dreams. I'm just always falling short of my potential. And I know these things too, you know, like I know, and I just can't figure out why do I always start something new and never finish it? You know, like why, why am I always chasing like every, you know, sparkle, that co- you know, like, and, and like, I think my cousin, she even probably saw in me something that I didn't see. She works in the entertainment industry as well, but she works on the other side in production. Okay. And um, I don't know, about seven, eight years ago, she had started getting like a producer's credit on the show she was working on instead of just being, you know, lowly peon mm-hmm. coffee for everybody. And so I was seeing how she was rising and I'm like, well, how come I can't do that? You know, <laughs> what's she doing? Right. You know? And so I was like, you know, I'm like, maybe I should be a PA. And she goes, cause, cause no, no. And I'm like, why not? I'm like, no, because, yeah, you need to stay in front of the camera. You don't want to be behind the camera. And I'm like, why? And she's like, let's just not work for you. And I'm thinking she's saying, I don't want you encroaching on my territory. Uh, <laughs> like, and it wasn't all that. All of LA, all of LA. <laughs> I don't want you, to, you know? So in my mind, I'm thinking she's saying, oh, I don't think you can do this kind of work or I'm not going to help you. Like, I was taking it very personally that she was like, no, you, your skills are on the other side of the camera. And I'm like, what? I don't think I can do it. She goes, it's just, it's a lot of detail. What, you don't think I'm good at details? (laughs) It's a lot of, no, you don't think I'm good at numbers? No. Like, and I know this. I suck at math. I I look at numbers and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. (laughs) Like my eyes glaze over. It's like, (laughs) oh. Like everything that that type of work entails is like the antithesis (laughs) of my skill set. And she knew that. And she's telling me to my face, no, cause no, no, don't, don't, please. Whoa. I'm trying to save you, don't. And I'm just like, what, you don't think I can do that? You don't think I'm smart? You know, like I just was so offended. <laughs> but then it turns out she was right. So I felt like I was out of options. I was feeling like I'm clearly not smart enough to do things that other people seem to do very easily and readily around. You know, like I'm looking at other people comparing myself. Yeah. Divorce now and just didn't have a whole lot of close friends. Just everything, everything that I thought I would be and where I would be, none of it was in that moment. And I was really depressed. I've been fighting depression for a long time. A lot of my depression had been, some of my depression had been misdiagnosed as bipolar disorder because of my mm. mood swing. And um, I was talking to my, my therapist one day and I told her, you know, I just, I, I started feeling hopeless and I told her I was feeling hopeless. Yeah. And she was like, you're not having suicidal ideation, are you? I'm like, oh no, no. I'm, like, I'm not there. You know, like, no, Jesus, no. You know, like I'm spiritual. I'm like, no, I'm not going to hell, no. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're not talking about that. But I was telling her, I just didn't feel like I didn't see, I didn't see my future anymore. I really didn't. I I always have had a very clear 
idea of what I wanted to do next or how to get there. And this was just like all murky to me. And so um, she was concerned about me, but it didn't cross her mind because she's not an ADHD specialist that I might be dealing with ADHD. Because I've been on like all kinds of different medications over several years for bipolar disorder, for anxiety, for this Mm. and that. And it was like, none of it was fixing the core of what was still impairing or holding me back. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so one of the search results led me somehow to the Chad website, children Mm -hmm. and uh, adults with attention deficit disorder. And it wasn't just to the homepage. It was to the page where it says, do you have ADHD? And when I clicked on one of those buttons, it led me to that diagnosis page. And I'm just like, oh, this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's me. Check. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Oh, impulsive. Oh, yeah, that's me. It's <laughs> going down the list. Do you feel like you're gotcha. driven by a motor? <gasps> yes. You know, it was like, if there were 30 boxes, I checked 29 of them. And I was just like in tears, okay? Yeah. Just like, oh my God, I found the answer. I th- you sent me the answer, God. You t- you're showing me what's going on with me. Mind you, I've already been diagnosed, okay? Like 20 years earlier and still not remembering. Yes, Daisy, duh. <laughs> but also, I mean, that was a time when you weren't ready to accept either, right? I mean, this is the time where you were at your, like you said, the end of the rope and you just needed that answer. So it was... Yeah. You're ready, right? I was ready. I was ready. And it was just so bizarre that after I brought this up with my um, therapist the next day, I'm like, guess what I found? You know, like, oh, I took the self-test <laughs> on the website. I think I have ADHD. And she's like, why would you think that? And I'm like, because of all of the, you know, the stuff. And she, not knowing much about ADHD, was like, well, you know, adults are very if rarely, if ever diagnosed as adults. And I'm like, uh, that's not what I read last night. And so while I'm talking to her, I start having this memory, like a flashback of sitting in that original psychiatrist's office being told or being asked, have you ever considered you might have ADHD? And it was just like, "Ah!" and I was just like, hey, wait, wait, stop the train, stop the train. And I'm like, I've already been diagnosed. And she's like, looking at me like, you're making this shit up now. (laughs) And so that's where it started for me. And, or should I say restarted for me? And it was such a relief to, I guess, accept that diagnosis or just to be able to get that information and kind of weird to realize I've I've always had this answer in here somewhere, just wasn't acknowledging it. But now to have the light, shown on it. And now with all the information that's out there, I was determined I wasn't going to live another day, you know, the way I was like, that was a rebirth day for me. It really was. So that's, that was the tipping point for me. I was so determined. I know this now I'm not going to willfully keep living like this because I was literally not only, not just at the end of my runway, I'd gone past the runway. Like I'd crashed in trees and everything. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, I can so relate to everything you're saying. I just think back in terms of my positions and how, you know, when I was recently diagnosed last year, so Mm -hmm. I was 45, now I'm 46. And when they diagnosed me, it just clicked, right? It just made sense that everything that I did growing up was tied to ADHD. I mean, I really yeah. actually started to know once my I was going through the journey with my children, but you're right. The jobs that I would just keep messing up in. I mean, I literally changed roles or changed positions or went to yeah. the next role, not just to move up, but also if I kept messing up, I'm like, okay, I don't want them to get rid of me. I want to <laughs> you know, yeah. move to the next position. Right? Fail up. I'm gonna fail up. I'm gonna I want to fail up. up. <laughs> and I, but I, I mean, could never understand. Time, right? Yeah. I could yeah. never understand why I was doing the things that I did. So I completely get that. So my question to you, if somebody else is trying to decide whether they should get tested or not, and they have conflicts, whether it's you know, I don't want that label or um, I just don't want to have ADHD. I mean, what advice would you give them, especially those who are adults and have been living with it all this time? Well, this is what I can say. I understand that ADHD has all these negative connotations, you know, because people make jokes about it. And it's like, it's not even taken that seriously. 
you know, within pop culture, because we can be the butt of jokes, you know, like we're flaky, we're spacey, we're, you know, we're running late all the time, can't depend, like, and then people use it so casually, oh, my little ADHD, and my ADD is active, you know, like when they don't have right. it, and it's like, right. shut up, you don't even know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know, and it, that didn't used to bother me until two years ago, but now I'm like, no, this is a real condition, this is a brain thing, yeah. you know, and I know people don't understand that they don't have it. That is not a blanket adjective for somebody who's flaky, (laughs) you know? And so it's those types of portrayals or caricatures or just how it's referred to that makes people go, I don't know, why would I want to be labeled that? I wouldn't want my boss to know I have that. But I say, you don't have to tell people. You can go and you can get your diagnosis if you feel like that's something that you need to find out for sure. And trust me when I say this, Knowledge is not only power, it is transformative. The logo on my ADHD is the new black website. You see this little mm-hmm. thingy right here, the squiggly oh, thing? Yeah. <laughs> I found it accidentally when I was trying to figure out what to put in the brain, you know, just to kind of represent what I want my channel to be about. And the girl who designed this for me, her, she first came back with question marks. And I'm like, no, that makes it look like we don't know what's going mm, on. It's like, right. oh, I'm just a big I don't know anything. Oh. <laughs> and so I was looking, I don't know what I was looking for, but I, I just came across this in an old African Sanskrit al- alphabet. And I think it's a tribe that doesn't even exist anymore. And this particular uh, tribal symbol means transformation. And I was like, oh, wow, that's exactly how I felt because getting a proper diet or remembering in my case, my diagnosis is starting to treat it. It released me from all the shame and all the stigma. It released me from all the self-loathing about myself because it's like, how many times can you make the same mistakes without feeling like there's no hope for me or I'm just too stupid to do this? Or, you know, we hear so many negative comments and we get so much negative feedback anyway and the accumulation of all that negativity about us that is what turns into depression you know a lot of times most of the time because adhd comes with so many comorbidities a lot of those comorbidities like the misdiagnosed bipolar well that's the emotional aspect of adhd or the the depression the anxiety you know a lot of times doctors will just treat you for your symptoms of anxiety or depression and not address the core, which is having ADHD, which is creating all of these impairments that lead you to behave in a way that creates the negative feedback. And then you start feeling like, oh, I, I don't know why I do these things, you know? So I would say, you don't have to tell anybody. The diagnosis is for you. And what you do with that diagnosis, it's really the world is your oyster or you can keep living the way that you've been living. But there's no, in my opinion, I don't mean to sound harsh, but there's no excuse not to get a diagnosis. So at least, you know, even if you don't plan on taking medication or going to therapy, doing any of this stuff, just knowing is transformational because of course, if you know, what do you think the next thing you're going to do? You're going to start Googling everything. You know, that's what we all do. And the more you learn and watch videos of the experts explaining to you how our brains work, the difference between a brain that is dopamine deficient and a brain that's, you know, neurotypical. And you're like, oh my gosh, you start to realize that all of the mistakes that you've made over and over and over and over again, that's not who you, like, it's not that you're stupid. It's that your brain is not wired in a way that helps us to learn from mistakes easily, or that helps us to to execute these executive functioning tasks that a lot of office jobs require, you know? So, I mean, I guess the best way to sum that up is it's not your fault, (laughs) you know? Like it is your fault if you get a diagnosis and you don't do anything about it, that's your fault. But if you are undiagnosed and you're making mistakes and you're feeling really, you're feeling like there's something wrong with you, you're broken or, you know, oh, my sister can do everything. She's so smart. And why can't I do these simple things? 
it's not your fault. It's not your fault. You know, your brain is wired differently than your sister who might be perfect. You know, your sister who needs to be everything so organized and everything in its tidy place and who can plan ahead and who can save money, who knows exactly how much money she has in the bank before she goes to Trader Joe's and buys like $50 worth of groceries and she's only got $10 in the bank. And she knew she had $10 in the bank when she walked to the door because she checked her checking account. But then between the door and the cash register, she forgot. Or is that just me? (laughs) Because I've done that too many times. Too many times. No, it's not just you. (laughs) It's so funny as you're talking, I'm like, man, did I do that yesterday? (laughs) Never fails, never fails. So two and a half years ago, you rediscovered that you have ADHD. Tell me, did you put, even name like a couple strategies. Was there anything that you did differently since you, I will say, embraced ADHD that you didn't do before? God, everything. <laughs> Starting with, I didn't just, whatever. <laughs> I didn't just flick it away like a nap. Oh, ADHD or whatever. Whatever that is. Oh, a little wife was disordered. Oh, I mean, the first thing I did was learn about it because I didn't do that back in, you know, 19, none of your business. Um, <laughs> um, I didn't know that then. And I would like to say it's because the the information wasn't readily available at our fingertips. But to be honest, even if it was, I don't think I was curious enough or motivated enough or even recognized that this is an impairment. This is like an emergency. Like there's nothing that felt urgent about it. And then this time it's like, I got to fix this shit now. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. so the first was educating myself. Which meant I had to educate my therapist, too, because, you know, she didn't know a lot about it. And she just felt completely paralyzed in helping me or when I talk about something. I'm like, oh, my God, that's been my ADHD this whole time. Mm. So I've been like kind of educating her, too, which come on, well, maybe I get an ADHD coach now. Because <laughs> it's like, you can't really help me because I still see her for my emotional stuff, you know. But as far as being able to move forward and get strategies... I've had to get an ADHD coach. Actually, Anger Colsey. You've had her on your program. She's like her. Nice. Yes. 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 And she's also a psychotherapist. So that's like two for one. (laughs) Uh, Is that how you found me, by the way? How did you find me? Was it through Anger? No, you tagged me on something. And I'm like, oh, I got to talk to her. (laughs) Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It was meant to be. Good job, job, future Stacey. (laughs) Good job, future safety. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I started listening to podcasts, probably podcasts more than Google at that time because they're so easy to to digest. And I was spending a lot of time in the car with my job at the time, listening to podcasts, everything and anything that had to do with ADHD helped me so much. Um, Not just in, oh, here's some tips and strategies, Mm -hmm. but also being able to relate to the program and the host and the guests. Um, one that really resonated with me right away was a podcast hosted by Kristen Carter called I Have ADHD. And it was an episode, that, the very first one I listened to, and it wasn't even the first episode in her podcast. It was just like a random one I selected where she talked about how unproductive it is for us to kind of, uh, I guess, to ruminate over the past you know, in not knowing earlier or not doing something about your ADHD earlier and thinking, wow, all those missed years, what ifs, you know, all the what ifs, like yeah. how different would my life be had I, you know, taken my diagnosis more seriously, mm-hmm. you know, like would age 30 have been less chaos than it was, you know, and it's like, it's pointless to do that. It really is because it's, we can't go backwards. And there was some, something she said that like just crystallized it for mm-hmm. me. She said, do you know how you know that it was meant to be this way, that you were meant to address your ADHD right now because it happened this way? Mm-hmm. And that was like, Makes sense. wow, that was powerful to me, you know, like just because, you know, my faith, my spirituality and just believing that things happen in their own time when they're supposed to happen, you know, yeah. and just knowing that, I didn't address my ADHD, even though I knew about it at that time, 
because it just wasn't time for me to address it. You know, I wouldn't have had, I probably wouldn't have half of the life experience that I have without me making crazy decisions, being impulsive and moving to New York with hardly any money. You know, like Mm -hmm. I moved to New York knowing no one had no job lined up. I had $3,000 and thought I was rich. Like, oh, I'd say $3,000, whoa, go me. I I moved here, that money was gone in a month, you know? And then like having to pay rent because I like rented a place, you know? and. And 9-11 had just happened like the day before, literally. (laughs) And just having to discover things about myself that I had been too sheltered to be challenged with before that. Like, oh my God, there's nobody I can call to say, hey, I need some rent money. So I had to go do things like literally panhandle on the subway. Like I had a big old box of recycled AA batteries that um, had been given as a weird Christmas present. By the radio station I had worked for before I left broadcasting, like the, the the Kodak factory was in our town in Rochester, New York. And they would just give away all these recycled, like, what do you call it? Refurbished batteries. Mm-hmm. Like they recharged them and they would just give them away. And it was like tons of <laughs> So I had a, hey, I don't know, 30 pounds of like re conditioned double A batteries and thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do with these. I guess I'll never need to buy batteries again. But then when I ran out of money very quickly after I moved to New York City and I got this box of batteries and a bigger box, I'm like, I'm selling batteries on the subway. (laughs) That's an entrepreneur. I mean, and that's another thing about ADHD. I mean, you just showed you are an entrepreneur by heart. I mean, that's, that's, Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it like didn't even, it didn't feel weird. I'm just like, this is what I got to do. And I remember coming back to the building I was living in at that time that I was, you know, scraping together the money to pay the next month's rent for. And uh, I told the lady at the desk, she's an older black lady. And uh, I think she took a shine to me. She saw like, you know, I j- literally just fell off the boat. <laughs> I just gotten off the Greyhound bus. Actually, I drove there. <laughs> And so she was kind of like, you know, you know, kind of creating some more um, street savvy in me, you know, like, you know, New York, the biggest city I'd ever lived in. And I told her what I've been doing all day. And she goes, really? Like, that sounded weird to her. She's like, you, you, how much did you pay charge for them? I'm like, I don't know, a dollar, two dollars a battery. And nobody asked you if they actually worked. And I'm like, yeah, but they were like, you know, so okay. <laughs> and they would buy it anyway. And she goes, you're a survivor. Like she's, you're a survivor. And I was like, oh, I guess I am. And that resonated with me too, because nobody's ever said that to me before. Like nobody's ever needed to. She's like, you're a survivor. You're going to make it in the city. So that is so cool. That is so cool. So let's dig into your, um, your platform a little bit more. So tell us, I know you talked about a little bit in the beginning, but just how did it develop? Uh, why is it focused on black women? I mean, just, just give us the story about your new platform. Sure thing. And I'll try to keep it short because I know I can be long winded. So long story short, and it never is when I say that warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, you disappeared. Wait, wait I, yeah, wait. I got 10% battery left. I might need to plug oh, in. That's fine. Um, if it gets down to 5%, I'll plug in. So yeah, my, my iPad's like, yeah, there's long story short, wrap it up, wrap it up. So one of my jobs, I was a job, one of my career gigs, one of my entertainment jobs <laughs> is I'm an audience warm-up comic out here. Uh, as an audience warm-up comic, uh, you literally warm up live audiences for the TV shows that tape out here, like you know, talk shows, daytime talk shows, late night talk shows, game shows, whatever. And I'm going to pat myself on the back for a second. Really hard industry to break into because nobody knows that this is like a career. And when I started inquiring about doing it because I saw the guy who's doing it at the taping of Dr. Phil. When I went to it, I was like, I can do that. Wow, that's a job. <laughs> and so I walked up to him after the taping and I asked him, hey, uh, how my name is Stacy? I just moved to LA. I was wondering how would somebody like me get a job doing what you're doing? And he looked at me dead in my face and he went, you don't. And he walked away. And I was like, <laughs> I've never had somebody be that rude to me. Somebody's, I'm like asking you like for advice, you know, like, and you're like telling me you, you don't. 
And like, and he literally meant you don't because it's such a small universe. There's like literally 10, 12 people who do all of those jobs wow. all of Hollywood. They're all with the exception of one other uh, female, middle-aged white men. And they're so protective of the territory out here that they will not help you. I'll give you a million dollars to help this girl break in. No, <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, yeah. And I was blessed enough to find two dudes who were friends with each other, who work on really big shows out here as the warm-up, who took me seriously enough to start helping me. So I, they helped me come up. And so that led to, you know, a lot of one-offs here and there, filling in for other comics. And two years ago now, um, I got hired as the warm-up on A Little Late with Lily Singh. Uh, Lily Singh, she's a big YouTube artist. Love yeah, her. NBC. Yep. You know? yep. So I was a warm up on her show for the first season, second season because of COVID, there was no audience. So there was no work for me because there's no audience. Anyway, (laughs) that all of her, all of her audience members in the studio audience are her actual fans. And many of these people have traveled from great distances to sit in a studio audience, studio audience to watch her tape her talk show. And all of her audience, uh, the majority, no, hundred percent are people of color and most of them are female. And so this was not that long after I started treating my ADHD and I had started um, throwing in bits about discovering I have ADHD into my stand-up act. And I was kind of testing out new bits on this audience just to see, you know, was that funny? Just just testing it, you know. And so um, every time I would make a joke about myself, about having ADHD, I would get at least 10 women waiting for me after the show wrapped up to come over like they had a secret to tell me oh my god thank you for talking about that and i'm like what (laughs) and they're like you're adhd and they're like i think i have it or i have it and i'm just too ashamed to talk about it or i'm too ashamed to tell anybody or i don't know what to do about it this was like every time i did one of these bits and it started it just i did i had no clue that people were that ashamed to talk about it, especially black women. I had no clue, because I'll tell you everything about me. You know, like, that is not an issue for me. Like, oh, girl, oh, nice to meet you. Do you know, my Adderall, I had to up my neck. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I mean, when I when I first started taking Adderall, I literally was like, just telling strangers, hey, oh my God, out of my Adderall, or my Adderall's kicking in. Like, and they th- think I'm joking. I'm like, oh, I'm not joking. <laughs> So I made a lot of people, a lot of strangers uncomfortable just because I'm like, hey, I got ADHD. Oh my gosh, you know, uh, I'm so happy about it. But then I realized like, oh my God, Stacey, everybody's not like you. Everybody's not weird. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people are like, they, they're things they keep to themselves. Like I have a disorder that makes me either impulsive or have difficulty with detail or it makes it really hard for me to get places on time or it makes me emotional or you know like all the stuff and so it was happening so consistently when i do these bits that i was like hey how can i make money on this and b (laughs) b because i'm because i'm thinking oh i should just like you know just get back on stage more because i don't do a lot of stand-up stand-up in the clubs because I don't like the lifestyle. It's too late for me. I like mm-hmm. my sleep. That's where I was first going with it. Like, I should just get back on the clubs. Just make some money on this, you know? But then our season wrapped 20, I'm sorry, 2020 of, uh, no, wait, 2020. No, let me back up. Our season wrapped December of 2019. Okay. Then 2020, of course, COVID happened. And... That's when they, the state canceled all studio audiences. Like, well, you know, you were alive. (laughs) The world shut down. And so that's when I started thinking, well, A, I don't even know if the show's been renewed for a second season. And B, uh, who knows how long this is going to happen. So how can I take what I have discovered, how badly this information is needed, you know, and parlay it into something that's helpful to Black women. And that's where the YouTube channel idea came from. 
So I had already been watching uh, Jessica McCabe's channel. She was one of the YouTube channels I've been watching. And I really love how, you know, light and, you know, fun and affable she is. And I contacted her and she started, you know, helping me out, getting started and mentoring me. And so I haven't talked to her in a while, but we were talking about how we're like the, the photo opposite of each other, you know, like I'm the black Jessica. <laughs> She's, because we're our, our personalities are so like in alignment, you know? Mm-hmm. And I told her that I'm doing this channel because I literally would not want to see another woman, but especially a black woman, a woman of color, because I know that, you know, being a professional woman out in the workplace, you know, having ADHD is just one layer of a lot of the you know, difficulties we can encounter being black women in the workplace. And I'm like, I, I just don't want another woman to suffer the way I did for as long as I did, you know, like if I can save somebody else that long ass journey that I went through and granted, maybe I needed to go through it, but not everybody needs to like go around the same mountain 12 right. times and right. still not know what's going on with themselves, you right. know? So. No, I love that. And you know, it's really interesting to your point, Stacey, my family was very open with me. So I'm very open too. And I just talk about it and I talk about ADHD. Matter of fact, my kids are open. We, we just talk about it like it's nothing. And it yeah. wasn't until I started advocating that I realized that people do keep this a secret, especially black folks. Right. And I should have yeah. known better because we don't really talk about mental health period. Right. We just, yeah. we just don't share it. And we were not open about that type of information. So, yeah. so yeah. So every day I'm meeting more and more people that are like that. They're like, wow, I'm so glad you're there because more people, your, uh, my skin color needs to talk about that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I felt like the best way for me at this point without, you know, I can reach way more people than a, you know, 50 or 80 or 100 member studio audience, you know, do this YouTube channel and, you know, look like the women who need this information. Um, And Inger, Inger really encouraged me. She was like, you know, Jessica's channel is great. She's like, but a lot of times, you know, perhaps someone who's more sensitive to cultural, you know, things will see her and go, I don't want to watch this Karen, you know, (laughs) not that Jessica's a Karen, but you know, like, it may the message might get lost because they're looking at her going, well, do black people have this? Right. You know? So yeah, that, that's why I started my YouTube channel. And I, I'm going to be honest, I'm not doing as much with it as I would like to. It's mm-hmm. been very slow for me to get the content out on the freak at the frequency that I would like to, mm-hmm. but anger has just been reminding me, you know, this has been a weird year. This has been a traumatic year. You know, we're all dealing with, you know, either illness ourselves or somebody in our family's been sick, you know, just life is different and we yeah. can't expect to function at the same, you know, level that we always do. And for us with ADHD, or at least me, like that's hit or miss on any day. So, yeah. I love that. And then Jessica encouraged me to treat it like a business, you know, mm-hmm. she like, you know, advised me to set realistic expectations, which for me, I didn't even know what expectations to have. (laughs) But she was like, you know, it's people can make a living on YouTube or social media a lot quicker than she was able to now because, you know, everything just has exploded and she's been doing it for a while. Yeah. And I love her to death for being so helpful to me. But um, she told me, (laughs) treat this like a career. She's yeah. like, this is your career now. If you are, you know, if it's your goal to reach people on this platform, then this has got to be your job now. And she's like, you know, when she started, she had a full-time job and she'd come home and shoot or write or edit in the middle of the night. Now she has the capacity to have a whole team to help her. Right. And God, I hope I get there someday soon. But yes. she had to work for that, you know, and she right. wouldn't have been in this position now had she not, you know, just dug in and something you said to me the other day really resonated with me and made me take action. Remember I asked you on, um, in our text messages, like, Oh my gosh, how do you schedule all this content? How do you do it? Do you have an, uh, uh, like I was baffled. Like, do you have an assistant? How, how do you do it? And you wrote back, I just do it. <laughs> and I like, for some reason, those, those, those four words or five or whatever, just like, huh, 
<laughs> yes, does it? <laughs> and I knew exactly what that meant. Like that sounds like some neurotypical stuff that somebody who's like, what's wrong with you? Just do it. <laughs> but like, but it's like, I always feel like conditions have to be just so for me to do certain things. You know, it's like, ah, oh, it's too hot in here. I can't start doing this until the room temperature is right. Or, oh, the dog's looking at me. He wants a treat. I got to give the dog a treat before I can start doing this. And then like the day after you said that, which I think day before yesterday, two days ago, I had the dogs at the dog park. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to create three postings and schedule them right now while I'm sitting on this park bench. So I'm just, just took every moment that I could steal and did it. And I created a whole month. I scheduled a whole month of postings because you said, I just do it. I just do it. <laughs> so thank you for that very simple wisdom. Because it really, it just, no, it just reminded me that conditions will never be perfect. Or even if I'm waiting for everything to be perfect before I take action, I'll never get anything done, you know? And I'm like measuring it by my old lifestyle. Oh, well, you know, I, normally, you know, before COVID, then I would have time, you know, at Starbucks to sit down and be quiet and do some stuff or, you know, but it's like, I just got to make that time, you know? I got to make it a priority and we do the things that are a priority for us. So yeah, thank you. I just do I don't even know what the tone was when you wrote it, but the tone I inferred was, I just do it. No, that's exactly <laughs> correct. <laughs> I can't think about it. No, that's exactly correct. So if they have any more questions for you or just want to have a conversation, how can people get a hold of you? So let's start with my YouTube channel. You can find me on YouTube. ADHD is the new black. Please subscribe and like the videos. Every time you like a video, it YouTube goes, oh, let me put this in front of somebody else looking for the same information. So every time it's liked, it go, goes out to a wider, wider audience of people just like us, women, women of color with ADHD. Um, I'm also on Instagram. It's called at Stacey Michelle. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y. Michelle is spelled M-A-C-H-E-L-L-E. That's my mom's doing. I didn't make that up. Uh, <laughs> I'm also on Facebook. I am newly created a Facebook group called ADHD is the new black. Uh, it is a private group. So you do have to request, you know, um, acceptance into the group, but if you're black, I'll let you in. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm actually serious. Um, <laughs> it's a very new group. I just got 30 requests today from all women. So I'm very happy to see that. And then there's also a, uh, it's a fan page or business page for ADHD is the new black. It's brand new as well. I'll be using that platform to like repost videos and content and everything. So you can start there or you can start with the group either way. Also, um, you guys can buy cute stuff. Where's my stuff? I have a t-shirt somewhere. Oh, here we go. Look, ready to go. I know, right? She left. So if you would like um, some branded you know, swag like this. And remember, this symbol here means transformation. Um, I have a Shopify store. It's called ADHD is the new black. <laughs> so it's just t-shirts or stickers, you know, or coffee mugs, things like that. And it's not just this logo, but also uh, memes that the artist who did this for me, she's also, um, they're beautiful, just like, you know, um, ADHD and meditate. Things, stuff that I personally came up with. <laughs> uh, pack for adventure, ADHD, you know. Let's see. Also, I have a Patreon page. If you guys are interested in supporting what I do, uh, especially after you watch my YouTube channel, and you're like, oh, this is dope. I'd like to see more of this. Well, please, <laughs> please become a, a, a supporter on Patreon. And you can find that on Patreon at ADHD is the new black. <laughs> so and and i i just want to i i feel like i'm apologizing for having a patreon page right now because that's what we do <laughs> but when i got into this when i started the youtube page like my mind wasn't even close to like Ooh, i'm gonna get rich on youtube it was like how can i reach people with this information and 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 the knowledge that I've gained from falling down so many times with, you know, with these symptoms and stuff. But then when I started making the content and realizing how long it actually takes with just one person doing all the work, exactly. I'm like, yeah, I'll take a few dollars on Patreon. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, especially since if I have to go back into, 
you know, the workplace or take a job or something, it would completely take me away from being able to create content. So it's my hope that um, my content can support me. And so the only way I can do that right now is through my Shopify store or through Patreon. And that's all I got to say about that. So if you value the information, if you value, you know, what, what we're both doing here, please, please support all of us or yeah, support all of us, please Um, support some of us, support all of us, because it does take a lot of time to create this content because, you know, we're not just like, just throwing stuff out there for the heck of it. It's like, it does require research, even though we live the life of being an ADHD person. I myself do still have to research things that I don't know that much about just because I've had experience with something doesn't mean that I can talk about it, you know, in a, in a clinical way without me having to literally go to, you know, medical journals to find out if what I'm about to say makes sense or if I just made that up, <laughs> you know? So just know that I work very hard to make sure the information you're getting out there is not only of value, but it's accurate. So people don't realize how much work it is. They just don't. <laughs> yeah. I, for me, 90 hours to create one 10 minute video. And I mean, I really enjoy it, the creation part of it, but it's all that marketing and, you know, right. putting it out there and right. try to make sure people know about it. That's, that's not my wheelhouse, but nobody else is here to do it for me. So right. we, exactly. we got to do it for ourselves. Right. <laughs> yes. We, uh, we're I'll, all half right and keep going. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And I love your, uh, your YouTube. So yes, I agree. Everybody has to check out your YouTube page. Thank your, you. I thank you. I appreciate that. those videos. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Some of them, I mean, literally on the floor. It was just, yeah. Anyways, you, they have to check it off for themselves. <laughs> you, I appreciate Which one are you talking about specifically? <laughs> Which one do you like the best? <laughs> Which one am I talking about? The one yeah. where they said that, you know, you need to have um, some Black interaction <laughs> and you need to, do you know which one I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> It's the one where your your white friends was telling you that you needed to, you know, listen to black music. You need you need to like interact with black people. Oh, oh, and then you had two was... people ca- coming in to help you black out. Black intervention. Black yeah. intervention. Oh, that's that's yes. not even an ADHD specific video. That's that's but that was hilarious. Videos. Thank yes. you. <laughs> now I watched Thanks. a lot of your ADHD videos, but that one caught my attention and I was rolling. I mean, just yeah, it's funny. Thank you. I appreciate it. Is that on a different <laughs> channel? That one's in, what do you call it? The, uh, what do you call the playlist? That's in my sketch comedy playlist on that channel. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it's still part of the channel, but it's not ADHD. Part of the channel. Okay. Right. I mean, it's ADHD because I made it and I wrote it. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I'm like, as far as I'm concerned, it's ADHD. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's in the uh, comedy playlist. So yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. That That, That was yeah, yeah. But when you that, talked that about as many hours, really fun to make actually. Yeah, and when you <laughs> talked about as many hours, that's one of the ones that I thought of. I mean, it does take some time, especially when you want to do something different and you want to bring out something that is informative or fun. It takes yeah. time. It you know what? That one actually took more than six months because it took more than me to do that one. Um, I had you know a, an editor. This is before I learned how to edit. I had an editor do it. And um, because it wasn't his project and we weren't paying him anything, mm. <laughs> you know, he worked on it when he felt like it. <laughs> so it took a long time. <laughs> so that's when I'm like, I'm gonna learn how to edit. No more edit my own stuff. <laughs> and he did a great job, but it was just like, damn, we shot that on Halloween, and now it's next Thanksgiving. <laughs> so yeah, oh, that is that one was fun. a lot of fun. That yeah. was, that's a group of uh, comedy friends of mine that they. It's hilarious. You know, white people love like race stuff, so they can like me and I joke too. Oh, this is so funny! Oh my god! Ah. Can we laugh? Can we laugh at this? <laughs> Wait, we can laugh at this, right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. Oh, that was so funny. Anyways, all right. So, Stacy, I am so. <laughs> <laughs> my cheeks are like hurting. I'm like, <laughs> anyways. Yeah. So. Let me say, do you know how much I had to give? A, and these are friends of mine, but I had to give them permission. And they're professional actors. So I had to give them permission to like say certain stuff and just go forward. Like, ooh, can we do that? <laughs> like, yes, yes, you it's it's okay. Okay. 
It's just like black church. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> I'm like, oh God. It's a place. That was good. That was a good one. But yeah, all your videos that I saw, I mean, like I said, I mean, they're just one thing I like about it is that they're nice and short. Because when you talked about Jessica, that's one of the things that I like about her videos. They're nice and short. I'm going, you know, I started a different direction and eventually I'm going to put in short videos in between. But I really like what you're doing. I mean, they're nice and short and then they're informative and they're funny. (laughs) So thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's, All right. I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. Bye, Stacy. Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.